Thanks for joining us this week, and welcome to Mutuality Matters, a weekly podcast hosted by CBE International, where our mission is to promote the biblical message that God calls women and men of all cultures, races, and classes to share authority equally in service and leadership in the home, church, and work. Enjoying the podcast? Let us know. Send a recording or written testimonial to podcast at cbeinternational.org of why Mutuality Matters matters to you, and we may feature you on an upcoming episode. The opinions expressed in CBE's Mutuality Matters podcast are those of its hosts and guests and do not purport to reflect the opinions or views of CBE International or its members or chapters worldwide. The designations employed in this podcast and the presentation of content therein do not imply the expression of any opinion whatsoever on the part of CBE concerning the legal status of any country, area, or territory, or of its authorities, or concerning the delimitation of its frontiers. Let's get into this week's episode. Hello. Welcome to CBE's podcast, Mutuality Matters, the Global Impact of Egalitarian Theology on Human Flourishing. Mimi Haddad and I are honored to introduce Francesca Quirk, who we refer to as Frankie. Frankie is Tier Fund's sexual and gender-based violence program manager. She is passionate about the church championing gender justice and has been supporting Tear Fund's work on preventing sexual and gender-based violence for seven years. Tear Fund's Transforming Masculinities approach engages faith leaders and faith communities to shift harmful gender norms and create new, equitable relationships and practices, and it is now being run in over 17 countries. Frankie lives in Brighton in the UK and holds a master's degree in gender and international development from the London School of Economics and Political Science. You will now be joining us for our second episode of our interview with Frankie. Enjoy. Um, I'm wondering if you can share about your own walk in this and how your faith has um, spoken into this. How did God lead you to this work? Mm. So I think I was very fortunate in that I grew up with lots of models of female leaders um, in my church um, and it was kind of understood that men and women led churches together. Um, And then I gradually became aware of different experiences amongst my friends and some churches I attended as I grew up, um, you know, moved around um, where women couldn't preach or where women weren't full members or women, you know, because they weren't full members couldn't take communion. There was, uh, you know, a kind of sliding scale of belonging, it seemed, um, within churches for women. Um, And I really found that very challenging because um, it was just in opposition to the person of Jesus that I saw in the Gospels. Um, and I remember just having the thought, I just, I don't understand, like, how did we get where we are now? Where Jesus was like at the vanguard of inclusion and equality and lifting up women and seeing women and really seeing them and mm. as people, um, not as the backdrop, not as the caretakers. You think about Mary and Martha, we think about the woman at the well, we think about the woman with the issue of bleeding, like we think about Jesus being financially supported um, by women in his entourage. You know, we think about all the history of that. And um, right. you know, how do we go from that to the church for so many people, both within the church, without the church, 
seeing the church as a place that is you know oppressive for women or restrictive for women um that that doesn't allow women to fully flourish into all that they are and have been created to be and so I was really trying to wrestle with um with this question and then you know understanding more about the links between sexual gender based violence gender inequality and how that can be compounded by religious teaching right so I was reading a lot about that and then I was doing um my master's um on gender and international development um in London and it, there was just this massive gap um, it, you know, it's a secular, it's London School of Economics. It just didn't factor faith at all into any of the teaching or any of the discussion on how gender norms are created or why they might be upheld or how faith influences behaviours. Um, and so I was just really fascinated by that. And so for me, it's an area that's, you know, really key and really important to, I think, um, the church, being fully the church for freedom for women. Um, I think all over the globe, you know, I think uh, the violence, violence is prevalent, um, but there's also all these um, maybe less visible elements of inequality that we bump up against um, around who's actually making decisions um, in our churches, whose stories are told. I used to find it so frustrating that women, you know, we are expected to listen to a sermon on David, on Solomon, on all these heroes of the faith, rightly so, and to draw our lessons from it. But it seems somehow odd to preach a sermon series on women of the Bible. There's a sense that all oh, men might not identify with it in the same way, um, yes. which is frustrating. Um, but yeah, so I think for me to be able to authentically practice my faith was something that I needed to understand that, again, gender inequality is really core to the gospel, to a vision of shalom that God has given us. Um, and so that's why it's something that I'm really passionate about. Um, yeah, that's really my journey. Wow, that's so great to hear, Frankie. I thank you for just the depth of experience and reflection you're bringing to this conversation. So following up on what you just said about your Christian faith and forming, mm. yeah, I'm wondering about humanitarians who really struggle with gender equality as a teaching of scripture and mm. what outcomes have you seen you know you, you might think about you know, have you thought about the work tear fund is doing and world vision and others mm -hmm. compared to groups that really are very adamant about male headship and their outcomes yeah so i would also like yes sorry i would start by saying um you know that Every organization is made up of people and all those people are like on their own journey. Um, and also that we're all raised in the cultures that we're in, even as we have an organizational culture that we join. Um, so that's kind of preamble to say that I think wherever, you know, even within Tierfund, wherever we're starting work, um, it's really key that everyone who's going to be part of the project also goes through the same workshops. It's not workshops that we're just delivering for other people. Um, it's for us, right? For us, you know, for me, each time I do a workshop, I'm learning um, for me, particularly around what power I hold as a white woman and, you know, understanding that. Um, and I think for all of the work that we're doing for our um, direct staff, for the partners that we're, we're partner organizations that we're partnering with, um, we want 
to ensure that staff have the opportunity to go through those workshops so that we're starting from the same page and that um, they everyone is able to support that that culture of gender equality. Um, I think that there is uh, definitely for us as Tiffund, there's increasing interest from other organizations um, who want to, who see that there is this issue of sexual gender-based violence um, and want to address that more through learning from what we have been doing. Um, and I think it's making that connection between SUBV and gender inequality, uh, because sometimes there can be a desire to address SGBV as, um, as a symptom, but not address the root cause. I'm sorry, and, I'm not understanding SGB. What is that? Sorry, sexual and gender-based violence. Apologies. Oh, okay. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. Um, sorry, yeah, so sometimes there's a desire to address sexual and gender-based violence as, a, um, as, a, as an issue, a symptom, but without addressing gender inequality as the cause. Um, and so it, it's about being able to make those connections. And I suppose what I'm saying is I think for organizations or for um, yeah, people who struggle gender equality as um, you know, central to the scripture, I think, you know, it's not to say that when we start project, everyone's already on board. So even though it's work that we are doing as Tiffund, it's also a process um, to, to become on board of that because, as I said, because of these, these constant messages that we've grown up that are very hard to avoid. And so I think creating that space to be part of the workshops, to have the conversations, um, to, to debate and to discuss some of these, um, these scriptures, these topics that can be so contentious, we have seen people shift their perspective. And so I think, you know, that is possible for everyone who, you know, wants to do work to address sexual gender based violence. Uh, it's possible, but we need to have the conversation. We need to bring it out into the open to connect those dots, that it's not going to be possible to have those outcomes around addressing sexual gender based violence without really reflecting on those beliefs around um, gender inequality. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Great. So you've seen a transformation in tier fund because, because everyone goes through the training um, as, uh, you know, as they think about it and debate about it, you see um, changes in your own, your own staffing community, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean that, but yeah, exactly. In the sense that it's not about, um, yeah, exactly. It might be the first time that or often it is the first time that people have had that opportunity to discuss these topics. Um, and if we think, you know, sometimes in international development work, we might think we're outside of the issue that's being addressed, but right. we're all part of, you know, and particularly um, organization, community-based organization, we're partnering with, you know, part of the community. Uh, and so, yeah, it's about going on that journey first um, with staff. And we do really see that shift with both staff, with, faith leaders. Um, I think every time we maybe are looking to start in a new place, we typically bring people together, community leadership, um, faith leadership, um, and talk about the issues. And it's not a surprise, you know, most people, they're there because they know that there are these issues 
of um, sexual based violence in their community. They know that there's violence, they know that there's abuse um, and they want to address it. Um, and sometimes there can be caution like, okay, like, is this gonna work? You know, it's so, it's so strong here, the norms around, um, you know, male headship um, mm -hmm. and male control. But I think it's been very rare that we haven't seen people come out of a workshop with a changed perspective. Um, and then we see faith leaders modeling that in their lives. Cause obviously, you know, people can listen to their church leader and hear them preach about supporting survivors, about gender equality, about Christ as a model of positive masculinity, but really they're watching their church leaders lives saying, right. okay, I noticed, I noticed that they now, they help get the kids ready for church, whereas before maybe they left first and the wife was left to, you know, get the kids ready. We see that they now make decisions more with their wife. We see how they attend with their wife. We see how they listen to others when they're making decisions uh, in meetings. Um, and so it's really the changes that people see um, in the leadership life that encourages them also to, to take part in these, these dialogues, in these conversations. Right. This is really powerful. I, I wondered, you know, I, I keep thinking about a humanitarian, a Christian humanitarian I worked with years ago who said that when pastors do exactly what you said or leaders, Christian leaders, where they model by example what they want to see, what they believe is the teachings of scripture, mm. that those are communities less likely to have their children trafficked. Mm. This is really powerful. And another example that comes to mind is an egalitarian working in Kenya who was invited to do similar egalitarian trainings in the DRC with a humanitarian organization that was very clearly committed to male headship. But mm -hmm. the impact was so great that it the really the reputation of that impact reached headquarters in the United States. And I had a VP come up to me at a humanitarian convention and say, look, our organization doesn't support gender equality as a biblical mandate, but because we saw the impact in the DRC, I will do everything in my power to see these trainings continue. Hmm. Oh. That seems to be it, actually, in the sense that anyone who works in international development understands that if you do not uh, raise the status of women, you're really not going to have any positive outcomes because they're mm -hmm. kind of the linchpin to the development and the health of community outreach or to community results. So it seems like um, this is just fundamental and, and somehow there's a gap between um, what a lot of these humanitarian organizations are doing or believe um, about the equality of women. It just seems like this would be a great uh, program that everybody engages in for basically good outcomes and everything else they're doing in community health and development in public mm -hmm. health. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that, that's right. It's We know that yeah, we can't beat poverty and reach justice without addressing gender inequality. We know we know that, um, and that's as you say, fundamental to all the work that we're doing. Um, and so, creating that that shift is really exciting and really key. I think um, I think for TFN, especially as a Christian development organization, you know, we always talk about 
the four broken relationships. Our theory of poverty is about the four broken relationships between us and God, um, uh, us and creation, um, with ourselves, and then with each other, so with men and women. And so it's really a fundamental goal in and of itself to to see that um, restored relationship between men and women, um, to see that, um, yeah, that equality, that restoration, and then in order that we will also see all those other outcomes that we've spoken about. Mm. Right. They would be the natural product. Mm -hmm. So I have here, I was going to just talk to you about the UN um, declaration in 2015, but you've basically already said it in your own words, but they did declare in 2015 that um, religion can be a primary barrier to women and girls receiving access to human resources for flourishing. And you've talked about um, a lot of that barrier um, and abuse mm-hmm. in the in abuse. Um, but they also noted, and it seems like this is primarily what you guys are addressing, that faith actors are significant leaders in bringing change. Um, so I didn't know if you had anything else you wanted to add to that, or if that's just like, yep, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think both can be true, right? Mm-hmm. So um, when we think about religion in terms of a particular interpretation of scriptures, this particular hierarchy um, of decision-making, then yes, of course, as we've been talking about, it can be used to diminish women and girls, um, to keep them as you know, helpers, in the sense of servants rather than as the Isa Kaneda, the suitable help me, um, you know, from a position of strength, women help. Um, and I think uh, I was thinking um, about this exercise that we do during the workshop called the gender fishbowl, where um, women sit in a circle in the middle um, and men sit, <clears throat> excuse me, on the outside and listen. And, um, and we ask women questions, uh, the men listen but can't interject, and then they switch places. Um, and it's really a space for men and women to listen to each other. And we ask often women in the church, like, what are scriptures that have undermined them or made them feel less than? Um, mm. And there are lots of verses that come up. There's lots of you know painful uh, experiences that are shared about being reduced, about being... Um, yeah about you know the church or scriptures being used to to keep them down really um but they also share verses that inspire them and encourage them um about elements of their faith that give them strength and so when they talk about um you know we're all one in Christ Jesus that um God is loving that they're um that they have had faith leaders who support them um we see, you know, this tension of both that when used uh, wrongly, I would say that um, religion and scripture can be used to diminish women, to restrict them, but that it also can um, empower and inspire uh, women and equality. Um, and that we, you know, religion can be an empowering space in which women can participate in leadership, um, whether or not it's formal ordained leadership, but they may be leading groups and ministries um and we we saw also um in the drc baseline in 2015 um that actually the women who were most actively engaged in church um so you know had a kind of a a role in the service uh, or in a ministry um 
there was a protective factor by which uh, those women were least likely to accept um, violence. They believed it was unacceptable uh, oh, wow. because of their, you know, that they understood their, their value. Um, compared to if we looked at like lower levels of engagement in church or no engagement, there wasn't that much difference. Um, yeah. But it was those who were kind of actively involved who were, you know, practicing their faith. So, yeah, I think both things can be true and faith leaders are you know hugely influential Mm -hmm. um we i think we know that you know anecdotally also we do um whenever we look at uh, social norms analysis we ask who are the reference groups who are the people who influence your decision making faith leaders you know come up again and again uh, as people who can shape those norms can can change culture um because they have such a platform and such a voice both you know within a community but because they're um sharing the word of god and you know ultimately they you know i think ultimate faith leaders they want to um be faithful to god they want to teach the way of god they want to look after their um congregation um but i think sometimes that's been you know twisted in in a harmful way right right we we actually found the same um we found the same data at, in the United States. Oh, yeah, okay. we did. Yeah, when we looked at abuse in the church, it was generally from individuals, men who participated very rarely in church life, mm. but not so much in those who were very active in their church. Mm. Yeah. One quick question for you now, Frankie, is when you look forward in the into the future, what do you think are the next real opportunities for Christians seeking to elevate the status of girls and women theologically and in terms of shared power? So um, I don't know if it's a new opportunity. I think there's, I think there's still a lot to be done about having the conversation um, naming it. Right. So we were talking about that so often um, sex and gender based violence is almost accepted because it's built on this um, foundation stone of accepted uh, male superiority and gender inequality. But I think what we need to keep doing um, in all countries around the world is within our churches, if we really want the church to be a place of, of flourishing and wholeness, mm-hmm. um, and to also be a platform that lifts up people outside of the church you know um then we need to be having the conversations we need to to name the issue to bring it into the light to use data from within the church and without on the levels of this violence um and engaging leadership but also when we talk about having those conversations within the church and i think that theological understanding is really key i think often um in churches it's rare to have sermons that are really explicitly on biblical equality and unpacking that um i think i was thinking about you know for my own church here in the uk um we have an explicit anti-racism stance um which is obviously very important and needs to be put into action you know ongoing um but i think it's rare to see a church you know be really explicitly for gender equality or to make it really clear um so i think things that are not spoken about need to be spoken about in order to have that shared understanding to bring about change you know um so we're not kind of saying okay well we need to do more 
all of these things are good, right? We need to do more to support survivors. We need to do more to um, refer to services, but we also need to have that internal, um, I guess, examination of our norms within our communities, within our churches, uh, in order to bring that deeper rooted change. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's great. I think that's just great. Yep. Where do you see um, the most significant gains on these issues? I mean, I, I consider that you've been working, it seems like on almost every continent on different levels. So where do you see the most significant gains? And then what do you think accounts for the gains in that area? So in terms of significant gains, I think it, um, so I think it depends maybe also on the starting point, like how, um, how high the prevalence is of sexual gender-based violence um, to, see, to see the reductions. Um, I think, and actually I don't know if I can say this because it's referencing another one of your colleagues maybe, uh, Dominic Masolo, I remember once yes. he was talking about um, that often in um, African countries that he's been working in, that the violence was more obvious than maybe in the US or the UK, it was more kind of evident, uh, but that when change came, it was also more evident and more um, dramatic. Um, and so I think we've seen changes, uh, yeah, as you say, in lots of different countries, I think, the culture can really depend. Um, for example, I know that in Myanmar, uh, it's the, the change is um, slower uh, or slower. It's less open, maybe because of that, um, because of the culture, because of how um, it depends what role, like kind of shame and honor play also in the culture. Mm -hmm. um, so I think we've seen lots of it. We've seen changes in Brazil, like this past year was saying, you know, I grew up in such a um, machismo culture but this has changed everything often people haven't seen a picture of what that looks like but then when they start to see change then they can imagine it. it's hard to change if you know we always talk about you know culture norms being just like the water that we swim in mm -hmm. so it right. takes someone changing it to to be able to see oh, okay it's possible and that there is an alternative um so I think we've seen change in lots of places but in terms of why I think it works um I think a couple of things that we've talked about already so I think fundamentally once you see gender equality as central to faith and not in opposition to it then it's a lot easier if you think that you're having to protect your faith or protect your um church from an external idea um then it's hard to see change but right that theological engagement of seeing it as you know a cornerstone uh is really key I think engaging whole communities and churches at at the same time, it's really important um, for men and women um, and leadership. And we also have just started um, a storybook so that children can have some of these similar conversations at the same time that their parents are going through wow. discussion groups. That's been piloted in Nigeria. With well, kids ask very day. pointed questions, so that's really strategic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And actually, I mean, it's a bit off topic from your question now, but it was really interesting. We were looking at um, some of the focus group discussions from the end line uh, last week. And, you know, there were situations where um, uh, a, a girl was saying to her mother, well, hang on a minute, you just favoured my brother. I can't remember if it was she gave him more food or he didn't have to do the mm -hmm. chores. Um, and she said, but you know that that's not right. You know that, you know, we've gone through the story 
Um, you know that we're made equal. You know that we should be treated the same. I love it. Yeah. And she was really standing up for it. And, you know, ordinarily, my, my colleague Caroline from Nigeria was, you know, recounting this and she was saying, you know, ordinarily, you know, a, a child cannot speak that way to their mm. parent. They cannot mm. challenge them. Um, so not only was she speaking back to her, her mother, uh, but she was, you know, standing up for herself you know in contrast to her brother and then the mother said you're right I'm sorry mm, um, wow. it's a learning journey we're on it together we're you know we're still learning these things mm-hmm. and it was so amazing to see how you know having this storybook for the children yeah. um alongside the parents meant that there was this kind of increased accountability and increased sharing and also increased um but improve relationships between the parents and the children to be more more open and uh, to be more interested in what each other are doing um so yeah that, that's really exciting so I think that's kind of you know everyone as much as possible going through this journey together to see that shift um and um yeah that internal ongoing reflection and accountability to others if you can you know by going through it with other people you're also able to create accountability um trios to you know to keep checking in you know are you still asking your wife how that makes her feel are you still you know making shared decisions um so yeah Frankie this is just such powerful content I, I, I don't I really thank you from the bottom of my heart Kim this has been great oh it's it's excellent because I think it it illustrates exactly the point that um, when your theology is good, when it recognizes that, as you said, sin broke the relationship between humanity and God, uh, men and women, humanity and this creation. And Jesus came as our redemption. He came Mm -hmm. as our savior. He came to turn back that sin and restore us to um, the original plan and make it even better, a new heaven and a new Mm. earth. And when we understand that theology, then we have to really look at what that means. And we've done a good job of looking at our broken relationship with God. Mm. And we can always be working on that. But the other broken relationships, this really gets to the core of that. Mm. And, And as that starts to transform in community, everything changes. I mean, it's not just that men and women get along better, although that is definitely true, but um, so much more changes uh, when it comes to health, when it comes to education, when it comes to prosperity, because Mm -hmm. people are then working together as God designed us instead of, um, like you said, as servants, or, you know, you only have half the community when you, um, basically use the other half as your servant right instead everyone's released to flourish together and when you fail to treat women as fully human and as created in god's image you give people license to treat them as less than human Mm -hmm. and that's i think the power of scripture it's i mean all truth is infused with god's presence and but especially the teachings of scripture. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm just so thankful for the work you are doing. And we are more than grateful that you took this time to be with us. Thank you for putting us in your busy schedule. How can we be praying for you in the coming year, Frankie? Thank you. Yeah, no, it's a real pleasure um, to be able to yeah discuss this with you. Um, I think in terms of prayer, um, 
you know, we're working um, in about 17 countries um, and Tifan works about 50. So we're continuing to grow even within our Tifan countries. So prayer for, you know, the right people is really the key thing. So as I say, it really needs to be a personal journey. Um, so the right people as trainers and facilitators um, to, to be part of that expansion of the work um, and also working more with um, theological colleges and denominational leadership and trying to uh, embed this teaching you know the goal is not to keep running ongoing projects but for it to really become part of the the teaching of of the churches and denominations um, mm -hmm. so yeah prayer for that really as we as we look to kind of keep right. expanding and deepening um, this work right so we invite our listeners to Pray for Frankie and her team on these precise points. Hi, Kim. Hey, Mimi. That was such a great interview. <laughs> I could have talked forever. She did such a marvelous job of really centering the impact of theology in communities around the world. Thank heavens for Tear Fund. Yes, and that they're taking it to the communities, to the churches, and really building with community um, healthy relationships between men and women and checking back in, you know, how, how are those relationships going? Right. And you, I love the fish circle where the, the women are on the inside initially and the men sit on the outside and the women talk about hard things and they swap and men go to the center and women are on the outside and, and they build conversations across power dynamics. Yes. And, um, and, the, and when they all do that together, they kind of all realize we can all change together. I think there's a lot of great, um, I don't know, convergence. Is that the right word where I, I just think when one person learns something, they feel like the weirdo, but when they all learn it together, there's a sense of excitement Mm -hmm. that they are the ones who are bringing change and, and then health, health to a community. Right. And, and staying in those conversations, having a commitment to the long arc of relationships and the resources they have for children, right? And, uh, and translating those and being faithful to include all voices. Yes. I thought her story of the little girl that said, mom, we've all been learning that boys and girls are equal <laughs> and the mom's humility to say you're right um mm -hmm. this is hard we're all changing and we're all learning right. and even the grace in that it reminded me how we need to have grace in this journey mm -hmm. yeah that's right a uh, zeal without grace is a bad strategy <laughs> exactly <laughs> We all need grace all the time. And then when we're doing something that's hard like this, we need to give ourselves grace and each other grace. Right, right. And it's such a good feeling. Grace, um, it, it sits lightly on our shoulders. That's right. That's yeah. So, and, you know, and, and I think Frankie was, in my opinion, sold out to egalitarian logic, theology, and just watching eyes open and minds lift. I, I, you know, as a teacher uh, teaching this type of thing in seminary, with seminary students, 
you can just watch them come alive when suddenly the pieces fit together in correct ways. Yes. I mean, being in seminary, there were so many people that came confused. You know, they had learned about this Jesus that saved us all equally because we were all equal before him. And then um, experiencing something different in their church experiences. And, you know, how do these things go together? Mm-hmm. And then actually learning the theology of, you know, we, we are all, we were created equal. Sin did enter the world. Jesus came to redeem it. And we're part of that. We're part of that redeeming situation back to God's original intent. Thanks be to God. hmm Well, listeners, we do. We just want to thank you for joining us for both of these episodes. Uh, If you enjoyed this podcast, we would love to hear from you. We would. Yep. Yes. Follow CBE on Facebook or Twitter for up-to-date information and content. And we just changed our website. So come check it out at cbeinternational.org. If you love this episode, please share it with a friend and leave us a rating or a review. I am Kimberly Dixon with my co-host, Mimi Haddad. And we would just love to thank our talented editor, Landon Hook. Yes, and Christians for Biblical Equality International. Be sure to listen to the other episodes with our team of co-hosts coming to your devices every week. We are Mutuality Matters. Thanks for listening. Thank you. God bless and bye-bye. Looking for more information about CBE and our mission for biblical equality? Then please visit cbeinternational.org for more information. And please be sure to tune in each week for new episodes here or wherever else you listen to podcasts.